Good afternoon, my brothers and sisters, my friends in the Lord. So excited for a beautiful fall day here today, and thankful to be able to share this time with you again today as we seek to discern our times. have an awesome message today that just has been, frankly, just um, a challenge to to see, but I've really sensed the Lord's leading as to what he would like to say in regard to this. And so, so just thank you for listening and please share this with those who would need to hear it. And so this, uh, we'll start out today and as we have often in this series in Matthew 24, we'll begin today in verse nine. Then you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And then especially our focus will be verse 10. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many will turn away from me. There's an amazing passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that, that just amplifies on this whole concept of many will turn away from me. And so Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says in, in verse 2, <clears throat> or actually beginning with verse 1. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shapen, shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Verse 3, no one is to to deceive you in any way, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. The word apostasy here comes from the Greek word apostasia, which means defection from truth. And so, so as we think about that verse, the, the, the day of the Lord will not come unless there's a defection from truth that comes first. And the Greek here includes the definite article the. And so and so it's like it's the apostasy. Definite article, the clear meaning that is that Jesus will, before Jesus returns, there will be the defection from the truth. The New Living Translation for verse 3 puts it this way, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. So before Jesus returns, there'll be a defection from truth that results in a great rebellion against God. And then the Antichrist will be revealed. Then the return of Jesus will be just a matter of a few years from that time. And so as we're looking at this whole concept of a defection from truth, uh, the obvious question is, are we living in this defection from truth in our very day now? So as we looked at this, I was, I was encouraged in how the Lord led me to, to share this. And, and to, to start out rather than so much a defection from truth, but to focus on the truth itself. You know, Jesus said of himself in John 14, verse 6, 
I am the way and the truth. He also says, John 18, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this purpose I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Anyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Jesus often spoke of the truth in, in all these beautiful ways. John eight thirty one. If we continue in his word, we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. John uh, sixteen thirteen. Jesus talks about even that after he, re after he was going to return to the Father, he was going to send the Holy Spirit who would lead us into all the truth. You know, what a powerful, beautiful concept and, and depiction of Jesus. Not only is, is Jesus the truth in and of himself, but his very purpose was to enable us to know truth and his truth will set us free. Awesome assurance, awesome assurance of Jesus that he is the truth, he is the way. Now, Jesus had a very interesting parable about his second coming that speaks powerfully to this defection from truth and especially this great rebellion against God. It's in, it's in Luke chapter 19, and we'll, we'll begin there with verse 12. So Jesus said as in his parable, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then to return. And then the, the, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing and, and not going through the whole parable, just looking at this in general and in particular in regard to this defection from truth and this rebellion against God. And so as this, as this nobleman uh, went to this distant country to receive his kingdom and then return, he gave his servants the equivalent of like three months' wages. <clears throat> and so, uh, so he encouraged them to just, use his money, invest his money. So when he returned, he rewarded those who had invested his money wisely. And But the, but the passage the, in the parable, verse 14, Jesus says this, But some of his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. So clearly, Jesus is saying, there will be those just before his return who will say, we do not want Jesus to reign over us. In effect, it's like a great rebellion against him and against God the Father. The Apostle Paul also addresses this defection from truth in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. You know, wow. <laughs> are there some liars around today? And does it seem that people have dead consciences? Um, wow. What a powerful scripture that seems to describe our, our current time. You know, as and in thinking about this defection from truth, a prime truth 
that Jesus brought to the world was just the, his love. And so I was amazed at how the Lord led me in this teaching just to focus on uh, how he brought this message of love. The Apostle John says in 1 John four sixteen, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. Jesus told us so much about God. God so loved the world that he sent his son. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, and even love your enemies. An amazing quote from Martin Luther King Jr. puts it this way. <clears throat> now, there's a final reason, I think, that Jesus says, love your enemies. It is this, that love has within it a redemptive power. And there is a power there that eventually transforms individuals. Wow. So, so not only God's amazing love is, is like the source of our equality, and God's amazing love transforms us as individuals. You know, God has loved us so much, all, loved us all so much that he sent his son that whosoever believes will have eternal life. So therefore, scripture says of us as his people, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all have been united with Christ in baptism, and all that have been, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And then verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So likewise, you know, God sees us personally and individually to save us. But also, he sees us personally and individually to hold us accountable for eternity. Romans 14, verse 9 is a beautiful passage here in, the, in terms of our personal accountability to God. Verse 9 of Romans 14. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. The second part of verse 10. Remember we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Verse 12, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So, these beautiful scriptural truths here have led to the importance of each individual person and so, so, so since God has so loved us, he says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, this is real love. Not that we love God, but, he loved, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Now, these truths about God's love from Jesus have been like salt and light in the world and, and have, have, have caused our, our, our land, in particular here in our country, in the United States, to, to work toward and, and strive toward equality and freedom and, and, and 
prosperity in the most positive sense of that of that concept and so so this is this amazing Jesus's amazing teaching of to love one another is so beautiful however in our modern day there's this whole philosophy that's that just has shaped our modern culture and some refer to it or call it postmodernism and so this postmodernism is a as a philosophy which largely prevails in all our higher education here in the United States and around the world. And so this philosophy has caused many to turn away from the true faith. And I believe even follow deceptive spirits and teachings that are really coming from demons. A basic premise, obviously I'm referring back to the first Timothy four passage. A basic premise of postmodernism is that all truth is a social construct made by humans. In other words, we make up the truth from our relations with other human beings. Therefore, truth is simply what is true to you. So, there are no standards or absolute truths. Now, what are the consequences of those kinds of thoughts? What are the consequences of the premise that there are no absolute truths? Well, um, a, a fruit or a, a, a product of postmodern philosophy is the critical theory. And critical theory believes there is no objective truth because we are so shaped by the group we are a part of that we can only speak from the perspective of that group. So critical theory therefore classifies people into groups as either oppressors or victims. Instead of loving people as individuals created in the very image of God and giving those individuals value as human beings, entire groups of people are simply seen as oppressors or victims. So women are victims of the oppression of men, Homosexuals are victims of the of the of heterosexuals. Blacks are victims of whites, and on and on. And so, what has happened as we, as this 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 focus has been on you are you are you are so shaped by the group you're part of. These these ways of seeing people have created such division and tension in our country. And, and they, they have created this tremendous division and tension rather than causing us to love one another and to work for reconciliation. Now, don't misunderstand me. I understand racism, sexism are all horrible. But as those things are addressed, they need to be addressed as sin and to be repented of. And we, we can't go and embrace ideologies that are unbiblical. This approach of this critical theory is a defection from the truth that, that Jesus taught us. You know, here we are, this group identity thing so strongly that, that we're not, we don't see each other as individuals creating the image of God, as individuals loved by God, as individuals that should love one another as we love ourselves. And this, this is definitely, I, th I see, as a defection from the truth that we are to love one another. 
Now, another consequence of there are no absolute truth is just as scripture alluded to here, just a rejection of God. You know, if there is no truth, there is no God in that sense. Therefore, there is no creator who gives us order and gives us meaning in life. Isaiah has some awesome prophecies that show how omniscient and sovereign God is as, as in these to see these days of defection from truth and, and rebellion against God coming in the future. These are amazing passages that, that, that it's like Isaiah saw our day coming as the Lord revealed it to him. Just listen to Isaiah 29, verse 16. You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me. Wow. Amazing how we, there, that sort of thinking is, is pervasive in our culture now, right? Just now listen powerfully to, to, to uh, Isaiah 49, verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are, who are nothing but potsherds among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say the potter has no hands? Woe to the one who says to a father, what have you begotten? Or to a mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One and its maker. Concerning things to come, do you question me about my children? Or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. That's the end of this passage. That's Isaiah chapter 49, verses 5 to 12. What amazing prophecy of how the Lord saw these things coming. And so, so the scripture is so vivid throughout to, to depict God as our great creator. And you know, Jesus even refers to this kind of concept. And these these even as Isaiah was presenting these questions. Uh, of, of asking, um, does the potter say, does the clay does the say to the potter, what are you making? And <clears throat> what have you begotten, one says to a father or to a mother, what have you brought to birth? These, these remarkable questions that seem to fit in our current culture. And so Jesus addresses this even and says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female? Yet, postmodernism and the critical theory here is giving the message to young people that you can just choose your gender. So in that light, Isaiah's prophecy here is remarkable. It says here in verse 11, concerning the things to come, do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? And then verse 12, it is I who made the earth and created mankind 
on it. And so all these, these amazing truths of God's word. Yet in our day, to uphold God's truth in this way makes us called evil oppressors. Wow. How powerfully Isaiah chapter 5 addresses this, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. How powerful these passages are from, from uh, Isaiah and God's amazing omniscience and, and his amazing truth to see this day coming and speak into it. And so, in conclusion, my friends, you know, Jesus has said, just before his coming, many will turn away from me and there will, there, and there will be an apostasy or a defection from truth. There will be this rebellion against God. And so, you know, as I wrestled with this message, you know, there are so many more il illustrations of how prevalent this defection from truth is. But I didn't feel led to do a whole lot more than, than this. Keep it keep the message rather simple. And so, so instead of dwelling on more lies or more ways man's rebelling against God, I simply close with two scriptures of truth. Psalm 100. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And in Mark 9, as Jesus was, uh, was uh, glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration right before his death and resurrection, the Father says there, This is my dearly loved Son. Listen to him. Let's just close this evening, or this afternoon here, this beautiful fall afternoon with a, a prayer. Thank you, my friends, for listening. Please share this uh, with anyone that you feel would need to hear it and be blessed by it. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's close in prayer. Father, we're amazed at your word here. How amazingly you saw this day coming and this defection from truth taking place, this rebellion against you. And Lord, I, Lord, I pray for us as your people. I pray that, that we could honor you as our maker. Lord, I pray that we could honor you as our great creator. Lord, I pray that our lives would, would be salt and light to a world that's being so deceived. Lord, Jesus, praise you that you are the truth. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to know your truth and live your truth in such a way that, that some of the darkness would be exposed. Lord, be glorified. Lord, we praise you that you are God, that you have made us and not we ourselves. And Lord, we praise you, Jesus, that you are the truth. And Lord, I pray that we as your people would listen to you and do your bidding in our world. Father God, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you, my friends, this week.